From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Simon Marks. U.S. presidential rivals Donald Trump and Joe Biden are into the final full week of campaigning in America's election, with a firm focus on visiting battleground states. It comes amid concerns about Vice President Mike Pence's health after a number of his top aides tested positive for COVID-19. From FSN's Washington bureau, Nick Harper reports. President Trump kicks off his week with three events in Pennsylvania, a state he won off the Democrats four years ago. He's continuing to tell crowds he's in control of the pandemic, which he says is of little consequence. Yet the U.S. saw more record numbers of new infections over the weekend. Vice President Mike Pence has tested negative and continues to campaign, despite his chief of staff and several members of his team testing positive. Joe Biden remains in his home state of Delaware on Monday before heading to Georgia on Tuesday as he tries to expand his reach in a state that hasn't voted for a Democratic presidential candidate in almost 30 years. President Trump will notch up one significant victory later today. Judge Amy Coney Barrett is expected to secure enough support in the Senate to take her seat on the U.S. Supreme Court. British government ministers are continuing to insist they will not fund free meals for England's poorest children during school holidays. The row follows a high-profile campaign by Manchester United star footballer Marcus Rashford to end child hunger. From FSN's London bureau, Benji Hire reports. The UK Parliament last week voted against extending free school meals to the nation's most disadvantaged students over the half-term break. Yet that hasn't put the subject to bed. The Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, was forced to address the issue this week. He says people should come together to help feed vulnerable schoolchildren. I think people working together to solve this problem is the right thing to do. Dozens of restaurants, community groups and local councils have stepped forward to offer free meals to families over the coming days. A diplomatic row between Turkey and France is intensifying. The Turkish president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, is urging his countrymen to boycott French-made goods. It comes after President Macron defended French secularism following the beheading of a schoolteacher in Paris who had shown his students cartoons caricaturing the Prophet Muhammad. The opposition in Belarus is calling for supporters to go on strike after President Alexander Lukashenko again refused to step down. From FSN's Moscow bureau, Julia Chapman reports. Exiled opposition leader Svetlana Tikhonovskaya is urging Belarusians to begin a national strike, avoid government services and withdraw their money from state banks. She said the strike was necessary because the regime has shown that violence is the only thing it is capable of. It follows another Sunday of widespread protests in the capital, Minsk, which were met with a police crackdown. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. Obamacare. The very sound of it makes many of us cringe because we know our choices have been limited and the premiums just keep going up every year. We send our money to big insurance companies who cover elective abortions and profit from us while we struggle to make the monthly payments. Aren't you ready to break free from the shackles of high-cost health care? Please meet my friends at the Alliance for Shared Health, ASH for short. ASH is a health share ministry with over 40,000 households participating. They integrate best-in-class healthcare access solutions with the health share world to solve the health care crisis. As a member, you share in the financial burden related to catastrophic health care expenses while also having your own needs met. It's so easy. 
you can access the virtual care provider at, at zero cost, pick up a prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order expensive lab or imaging tests at discounts of 60 to 80%, conveniently accessed on your phone via the Share mobile app. Not only is ASH helping U.S. residents break free from government-controlled health care, ASH is an international health share ministry. $1 per household per month connects members to its East African health share predecessor, where thousands and thousands of lives are being saved through the ASH-funded pediatric hospital in the remote villages. With open enrollment here, now is your chance to save 50 to 70 percent on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of so many in need. Reach out to ASH today. Visit ashcommunity.org. That's ashcommunity.org. Alliance for Shared Health. Changing healthcare, changing lives. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Stacy on the right, StacyOnTheRight.com. So glad to be with you today, broadcasting live to you from the Alliance for Shared Health Studios. Yes, our first major sponsor. Um, since we began this wonderful adventure of podcasting, we are going to be discussing a ton of different things, mainly having to do with oil and whether or not it's needed. This is triggered by well, actually a vacation that we took and also the bigger picture life without oil and infographic. Uh, the subheader there is not as simple as you may think. And what I did was I saw this. I remember the vacation we took and I realized I have to talk about this on the show. And so I did discuss it on Sirius on Sunday. But for those of you who are podcast only, I wanted to make sure and cover it here as well. So we're going to delve into that. We're going to talk about the Biden campaign walking back their stance on transitioning from oil. They have actually spent the past few days working on that. And then the New York City hotel occupancy rate crashing towards 10% as it becomes a new reality that there are just not as many people in New York as there once were. We are also going to delve into Alliance for Shared Health. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it on this podcast so that you can know how to sign up and how to get into. Um, this is an amazing opportunity. It, it, open enrollment is going on right now. So you're going to want to know about that as well. So let's start off with life without oil. So I know for a fact that sometimes the best thing that can happen to you is something gets canceled. <laughs> Some of you will get that reference. So I actually, this the story is is one that I'm not sure if I, yeah, maybe, I, maybe I've talked about it before, but it's, it's a good one. And it is that my husband and I had decided we were going to try to take another run at vacationing in New York. And this was three or four years ago, four or five years ago. It was a bit ago. And uh, we normally go to some beach like Destin for spring break. That's our trip. That's our thing. We do it year after year after year. We love it. But this year we were thinking about how we'd been to New York on a short, trip. He was there for work. We accompanied him. And so we decided, you know what, we're going to go back there and we're going to see another Broadway show or off Broadway show. And we're going to try to catch some of the things we couldn't do because it was literally snowing sideways. So we get uh, all of our tickets together. We buy tickets to go to this Broadway show, a play, and uh, then bad weather comes in. Inclement weather predictions of some kind of nor'easter or something like that. And so we got scared off of going and canceled. And then 
you know, your last minute. You you don't have anything booked in advance. And so we couldn't get into Destin. And so I said, you know, I've heard Galveston is fun. Now, if you've ever been to Galveston, you know, they have a big metal pipe running down the beach. The sand is not white and uh, like in, in the Gulf and the Panhandle. It's like a tannish color. It's just not as nice. Um, so we get down there to the beach. And I'm like, wow, this is it's pretty rough. And we knew there were other things to do there. And it turns out the food in Galveston is amazing. The restaurants, Italian, um, the seafood. It was just, it was a smorgasbord of awesome. In addition to that, we visited what has become one of my favorite museums. And I've been all over the world. I've been to the Louvre four times. I've been all over, literally, I've been to museums, museums, museums. I've been to um, see the Crown Jewels in, in Great Britain. I, you know, walked across the London Bridge, all the cool stuff. Been, been to uh, Spain and and Vienna, Austria. We went to museums there as well. And all of the museums we could get into and castles in Germany because I grew up there. And this museum that I'm going to tell you about is one that literally it's at the top, like top five of all the ones I've ever been in. It's called the Oceana. It's a jacked up oil rig that has been moored in the bay there in Galveston. And they have it open on a daily basis for you to go and tour to learn about what life is the impact on your life of oil and uh, fossil fuels. So you might be thinking, oh, I mean, how could that be? It was amazing. I'm cutting you off. So what could you possibly do with if your life had no oil? Um, I want to start off with just a couple statistics. 46% of oil goes into making gasoline and the other 54% goes into making your medicines. Most over-the-counter medications, homeopathic products and vitamins are derived from benzene, which is a product of petroleum. Cosmetics, makeup, shampoo, these all have oil and perfumes and waxes and color, and they're all produced with the help of petrochemicals. Plastics, almost all plastics are made from petrochemicals from your iPhone to that bottle of water. It's a four to 5% of the total petroleum consumption is plastics. And then synthetic rubber, thousands of products rely on rubber such as shoes, tires, wetsuits, breast implants, gloves, I mean, you name it. And then cleaning products, all of the ingredients you can't pronounce in the ingredients list on your bottle that you spritz the shower with or that you spray and you wipe down the counters with, they are all poisonous and they're all derived in some way from oil. And then asphalt. 11 million miles of paved road in the world. Asphalt, which is also known as bitumen, is the glue that binds the minerals together. So I just want to give you a partial list of what is on this infographic. And it's insecticides, ink, floor wax, pens, upholstery, clothes, boats, sports car bodies, nail polish, antifreeze, awnings, eyeglasses, toothbrushes, pillows, dishes, soft contact lenses, drinking cups, fan belts, car enamel, shaving cream. I could go on. Suffice it to say, I think you're getting the gist. We cannot have life without oil and fossil fuels. It's not just that they power the cars that we drive and they're the most efficient means of doing so. It's that we cannot live without these items. So back to the Oceana and this tour. So we we were downtown Galveston and we'd eaten at one of these just super cute restaurants down there. And then we see the Oceana, we walk right over, pay for entrance, go in and it's a self-driven tour. And so you just walk around and you press the button and, you know, you hear a voice kind of reciting from tape, you know, what, what it is that you're looking at. And the two best parts of the tour were, first off, the portion where they show you everything that I listed off just now. All of these items, they had little displays under plexiglass to show you that the oil is the original item that produces the thing that you're looking at, like your cosmetic case where you flip it open and pull your face powder out of, you know, to powder your nose and so on and so forth. And so we were just shocked by it. One of our kids turned and said, Mom, do you did you know this? And I said, I 
I don't think I did know this. I felt kind of ashamed, but it was a shocking tour. The second part, and it was all good. The entire jacked up oil rig was amazing. But the second part that was so fascinating was this huge diorama to scale of an ocean floor and a cut through showing the huge pipes that go from the bottom of the jacked up oil rig down into the earth. It's it's the, the ocean floor, if you will. And that's where they pull the oil up and then it gets pumped into tankers that approach the jacked up oil rig and then it's taken for processing on land. And then they have these other huge tubes with color-coded fiber optics that measure everything from the pressure to um, how much oil is being pumped per second, you name it. it. And just the engineering prowess that we saw there, it was it was mind-boggling. I was really, I know that engineers are amazing. I know that the the human mind is is a wonder. It's a thing of beauty. It's a feat of wonder. But it was just an example of how little we know about everything around us being connected and how people who make statements like we need to transition away from oil, they just don't know anything. And it's shocking to see them be elected and make 170000 or 192000 or if they're on a committee, 220000 to be in the Senate like Joe Biden was for 40 some odd years, Kamala Harris in the Senate right now. Or as Joe Biden has done, this is his third go round, running for the presidency to be in charge of all of us when he says we should transition away from oil. So that was an eye opener. But this infographic caused me to think back to that trip and think back to the little education that we got from going to that that jacked up oil rig, the Oceana, and to think about how many Americans maybe don't know this. And I know it's true because I've already had some nincompoop I had to block on Twitter come at me with this idea that this is... Uh, oil is so nasty and filthy and it's responsible for this many deaths when it's not. Um, it's The processing is no longer quote unquote nasty and filthy and it is everywhere in everything that we use. In fact, if you're listening to me on your cell phone, a huge part of the makeup of your cell phone comes from things that are derived from oil. Over here, right up what I'm looking at is my Rivendell, which is my, it's my uh, computer that kind of runs the sound for the program and my mixer and all of these components have plastic on them. The, the desktop computer, the monitor, all have plastics. Plastics are derived from oil. So this is uh, unbelievable. Like you, you just can't make this stuff up. They want to banish the thing that makes like huge portions of everything that we use. They want to banish oil. We have nothing that, what would we have left if we couldn't? So what, here's what would happen. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm just skipping ahead. I was going to ask you, well, what would we have left? And then kind of, you know, tipsy toe down the lane and think to ourselves, you know, what, what, what would there be? There's no need to think about what there would be. This list is so comprehensive. There wouldn't be much. All they would do is drive oil production offshore and we would pay a hundred times more than we pay now for, you know, the little cosmetics that you buy or your toothbrushes, you know, $5.99 for four toothbrushes. It would be $24.99 for four toothbrushes because they'd have to be shipped here from some foreign country, made in a foreign country, and the profits would be built in. So there is no getting away from using it. It's just getting away from using it ourselves, you know, bringing it out of the ocean floor ourselves, making a profit off of it for ourselves, utilizing it and doing it in a clean way because we have all of these regulations that our companies meet and exceed those regulatory standards and often create their own. 
So I wanted you to know about this. Uh, I've had so much response from just posting this online. I wanted to make sure it was in the podcast so people could share it. This is who we are, which is that we are an advanced society that has found ways through engineering, creativity, and the beauty of the American mind and God's grace to create products that are derived from fossil fuels and to live well with them, to even consume them. Because, you know, I told you it says here the medicine is derived from benzene, which is a product of petroleum. We even consume our fossil fuels to no harm to ourselves. So let's not allow people who don't know their uh, fossil fuels from their face to determine what we can and can't do with our natural God-given resources. Let's just not let them do that. All right. (laughs) So let's pivot over to the next thing here, which is um, the Biden campaign trying to walk back their stance on transitioning from oil. Pretty fascinating for them to go there, but it turns out that's what they've been up to since he made that statement. And remember, this was at the debate last week that he made the statement. And so now you've got Kate Bedingfield. She is uh, one of the top people on the Biden campaign. And she said in an appearance on NBC's Meet the Press, look, as Joe Biden said on the debate stage, he's not going to end the fossil fuel industry. He's going to end subsidies for the oil industry. He believes that your taxpayer dollars should go to education. Donald Trump believes they should go to Exxon. This is a contrast and a conversation that we're willing to have any day. Now, I don't think they're willing to have it any day because what he said was he'd end it. And it's not just at the debate that he said this. There are many other clips of him saying this when asked by people at campaign stops. Now, Chuck Todd actually followed up by asking a very pointed question, which I had to give him credit for. If Quote, if you work in the oil industry and if you believe that fracking has been good for the economy long term, Joe Biden doesn't sound like a supporter of these industries. So why should folks think, you know what, Donald Trump is going to be more supportive, not Joe Biden? She replied with a rehearsed talking point by saying, quote, let's be really clear about something, Chuck. There's only one person in this country who Joe Biden thinks should lose his job, and it's Donald Trump. She can say whatever she wants. The videos are there of him saying that he's going to not transition away from it, not just end subsidies, but end fossil fuels in America. You have to hate that, don't you? Well, actually, I don't hate it. I love to see it because the truth, the truth sets us free. The truth makes us whole. The truth is, well, it's the truth and you got to love it. Uh, So let's pivot over to this New York City hotel occupancy rate. This I thought was interesting because we're talking about permanent closures are looming. Permanent closures looming in New York City. This is because partially because of coronavirus. Prices at New York City hotels have plunged as the hospitality industry continues to try and grapple with the effects of the global pandemic. Some hotels like the Midtown Hilton have remained closed since March. Others, like the Pierre, are operating in limited capacity. Those that are open for business have slashed prices by more than 60%. And this is according to a new write-up by Al Jazeera. So despite October usually being a fruitful month of tourism in New York City, coronavirus has forced the cancellation of staple events like the New York City Marathon and Fashion Week. So while the industry has definitely recovered since March, it still has a hugely long, you know, like far off distance to go. 200 of New York's roughly 700 hotels remain closed. Now, this is interesting because occupancy rates in New York City stand just under 40% right now. The average daily room price is $135. Those figures last October were an occupancy rate of 92% and an average daily room price of $336. Industry locals are saying that the 2020 figure may even be a tad inflated as many hotels stopped reporting data for the time being. So Vijay Dandapani is the chief executive officer of the Hotel Association of New York City, 
And he said, quote, the true hotel occupancy is less than 10%. Hotels have theoretically been able to open, but in many cases, it's pointless, end quote. So executives in the industry predict that up to 20% of the city's hotels could wind up being permanently closed. And that is the status of what's going on there. Uh, kind of frightening and like really, really something to be thinking about. Uh, so now I want you to hear a little bit of audio. Let me set this up. Nora O'Donnell interviewed Kamala Harris and she had some pointed questions for her. When I listened to the longer clip, which is about just under three minutes long, and I didn't cut that for you for this program because I thought, you know, three minutes is a lot. Uh, you can find it on Twitter. But the part that I did cut shows the direction that the Democrats are going to take should Biden lose uh, on November 3rd. On the morning of November 4th, if it's a landslide victory for President Trump and he's got the Electoral College lockdown, they are going to turn on Kamala Harris like she's never seen before. It's going to be a bloodbath. And they're already setting it up. Take a listen to Nora O'Donnell, who's usually pretty friendly. I mean, you know, she's not a sycophant, but definitely not like this. Check it out. You're very different in the policies that you've supported in the past. You're considered the most liberal United States senator. I, I Somebody said that, and it actually was Mike Pence on the debate stage, but... Yeah. Well, actually, the nonpartisan GovTrack has rated you as the most liberal senator. You supported the Green New Deal. You supported Medicare for all. So she goes on to kind of lay down her liberal qualifications. And Kamala, the, the smile is frozen on her face. And then she goes back in for the kill and deflects over to President Trump. And it, it, it's as if she's like... Like, I laughed and I deflected. What are you doing still asking me these questions? What, what what are you doing? She doesn't seem to understand what Nora O'Donnell is trying to point out. She keeps saying, Nora O'Donnell does, that Joe Biden doesn't believe in these things. Now, we know that Joe Biden has shifted hard to the left. He's had to. Otherwise, he couldn't have been the nominee for the Democrats this time. But what they want to do is play musical chairs with the issues and make you think that Joe Biden is really the moderate he used to be and that it's Kamala who's the really hardcore liberal. They'll use that to their advantage when it's necessary. But right now it's necessary to throw her under the bus and let her be the hardcore liberal so that they can be, you know, parroting the the talking point that Joe Biden is so conservative. I see her if he doesn't win. And I don't think he's going to. I don't think Biden wins this thing. Enthusiasm's not there. Polls are not there. I, I don't see it being there. This means Kamala will instantly be vilified and the cause of the loss will be hung around her neck and she will be the one who invariably suffers you know, kind of a career ending move, although she'll still be in the Senate because uh, she's, you know, she still holds her Senate seat. But it'll be pretty interesting to see how that all cracks out. My interest in it, obviously, is that they should tell the truth about her and they should tell the truth about Joe Biden, regardless of whether or not they think he's going to win or lose. He's had a few gaffes just in the last 24 hours. He couldn't remember the name of who he was running against. He said he was running against George Bush. He also couldn't remember the name of Mitt Romney. That was a little bit over a week ago. I mean, they're just stacking up. Um, he was being asked some questions on the campaign trail. The reporters were kind of swarming him a little bit. And he was answering and just losing his train of thought and kind of just rambling. And then his handlers said, OK, that's enough and started removing the reporters. And they didn't get to get the final answer to what they were asking. So, listen, it is what it is. But just a week away from electing the president of the United States and their candidate can't be out every single day, can't even match a third of the energy that President Trump is doing three rallies a day plus 
work at the White House. It's stunning. It's like we're in some kind of weird dystopian novel. And instead of watching the characters go through this sham of an election, because we all know that President Trump's the only person who's qualified to be the president out of the two of them, we have to pretend that Joe Biden is actually a contender and watch Americans vote for him because they hate President Trump. They actually hate President Trump more than they love themselves, their family, or this country. Unbelievable. Listen, check out Ash. You can find everything you need to know in my Twitter feed in the links to the show notes at listen.staceyontheright.com and on Facebook. Have a great night.